Miracy. Yeah, I think that's, that's a more interesting form of motivation than the ideas of pure gamification that have been tossed around and that we've talked about some before, you know, where people aren't necessarily motivated by points or, you know, leaderboards or, or sort of constructed rewards in alerting contacts, but they might be very motivated to get that coaching or get help with their specific problem. Hello, and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Danny Eni, the founder and CEO of Miracy, and I'm here with my co-host, Abe Crystal, the co-founder of Rizuku. Hey there, Danny. In each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and creator who is doing something really interesting, either with the architecture of their course or the business model behind it, or both. Today, we welcome Cindy Porter to the show. Cindy is the creator and principal of Success Through Style, a program dedicated to unleashing your unique inner style. Cindy, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Good to see you. So we know each other quite well, but for people who don't, who are you? What do you do? How did you come to do it? Give us the backstory. So as, as anybody who would have a long career, I have had a winding road, started in corporate America in sales and marketing. And after doing that for about 20 years, I decided I wanted to break out on my own and start my own business. So I started as a portrait photographer and really loved what I was doing. And I did weddings and babies and professionals. But soon into that journey, I realized what I really liked most was helping women not only look, but feel beautiful through pictures. And it was really important to me because it was something that I spent a great deal of my life trying to overcome, feeling good in my own skin. So I realized one day that everything that I knew about marketing and everything that I knew about photography can be pulled together and I could help professionals show up as their best in business. So today we refer to that as personal branding. And that's what I do now is I help businesses, um, women and men create a personal brand and then to show up in a way that they feel comfortable in their own skin that they're communicating their personality and their values, that they're attracting the right people into their lives, and that they love how they look. Awesome. So how did that just broad kind of area of work, how did that come to the world of online courses specifically? You know, the truth is when I created my first online course, I had no idea what I was doing. And so I, I actually worked with you, Danny and Miracy, to create a pilot. And um, I really love the way that program came together. And that really helped the whole trajectory of my business. I immediately earned back my investment in that program. And I realized that it was really helpful to my business and my ability to scale, to be able to do you know, what they refer to as the flipped classroom and having a lot of the materials that I say every day over and over again in video form and in written form and in audio form so that people could consume the content and then only meet with me when it was actually, you know, individual coaching one-on-one -on -one with them. I then did a couple of year-long cohorts. I used it in a way that I referred to it as a membership site. So in addition to the image and style work, I have done coaching for, for my clients. I did a cohort for one year um, where I taught women how to become stylists. So they worked with me over a year and, and these women wanted to learn everything from how to do sales, marketing, 
finance, how to build their first website, basically how to start an, and run a business, and also the skills of style. So if one of my clients was ready to invest in her website, she could go into an actual module on the site and learn how to do that. And if somebody else was struggling with the one-on-one conversations in sales or trying to figure out how to better manage the uh, financial aspects of her business, I basically went through and created all of these modules within uh, Rizuku. And then I could, in, in private coaching sessions, refer my clients back to those modules. I also have an evergreen course that I created. I think you call it evergreen when it's static and anybody can go in at any time without having to schedule going in as a cohort. And that's been successful also because people who don't want to spend as much money as it would take to work with me one-on-one to go through the same journey, they can do that online. And so it's like any typical online course. And what they get through that is all of the materials, everything that anybody else would get that worked with me one-on-one. But throughout the journey, they get three individual coaching sessions with me. I use them as carrots because I've heard you say that it's really important to you when people do your online work, that they don't just buy it and never use it. And I think that's a problem that has been occurring on kind of this, so many online courses out there these days, and so many people buy them and never use them. And it was really important to me that my clients didn't do that, that they actually got the value of the course and didn't just buy the course and and never work with me. And so I set it up so that there were kind of carrots that if you go through this amount of the course, now you've earned the right to have a coaching call with me. So I offered three of those. So I really have been able to do everything in my image and style course that I do one-on-one with clients, except for actually taking them shopping and sitting in their closet and helping them look at the clothes they already own. So for the education piece of what I do has been really, really helpful in using the online platform. So Cindy, you're doing a lot, but the one thing that I really want to make sure that we explore is, and what you're teaching is part art and part science, right? I mean, there's a science to, you know, colors and composition that you can teach. There's also an art to what I'm assuming. I mean, I'm the last person to speak to this. If anyone, I mean, this is audio. People can't see my wardrobe, but I'm not the world's best dresser. But there's part of it that's just taste. And I'm curious, how do you explore that in your course? How do you impart that? And also, how do you how do you know if they're on track or if they need help? Like, do you get to see decisions they're making or outfits that they're assembling? How, how does that work? So it's a really good question. And in the world of fashion and stylists, what I found is a lot of times it really is the stylist taking their taste and helping their clients find a wardrobe that looks good on them. But along the way, the client really never learns how to do it for themselves. So one of my differentiators in my business is I try to remove that. I think the same way a really good interior designer would find out who you are, what your taste is, and then could help you design your home. That's what I try to do too. So it really takes the subjectivity out of it so that it is more about learning art and, as you said, science and some psychology without the subjective aspects of as me as the artist. So that makes it easier to use an online platform because I really am teaching a skill set. So if we take color, for example, the color wheel was invented 
in the 19th century and hasn't changed since. I mean, it has to do with how light and prisms and colors are are made. And the color wheel is actually a graphical depiction of color theory that an artist would take, you know, a year-long coursework in order to really understand how that works. So there's a lot of science in color theory. And what looks good on someone and what colors look good together, really, it can be subjective if an artist wants to go outside of what's traditional and make make it their own. But we know that certain colors complement each other, certain colors don't. And when you apply that to a human who has skin tone, hair, eyes, lips, teeth, we there are certain colors that look good with our palette. So your listeners can't see you, but I can see you and I can see Abe and I can see myself and you guys can too. So you can see we all have different color hair, different color skin, and the colors that we would put next to our natural palette, some are going to look better than others. And that's that's just science. And so that is really easy to teach somebody that not only do I do the color analysis for them, but I also show them why one color is better than another color. Basically, I use the seven elements of art. So it's very practical and scientific in how I teach them how to think about their bodies as art. And that's where the platform is the most powerful. It does get a little bit more challenging when now it's time for them to go out and apply that knowledge to buying clothes and putting on clothes from their closet. And many at that point choose to work one-on-one, but we can also do it virtually through Zoom and um, in other mechanisms. Is there a feedback mechanism built in? Like, let's say I take your course and you teach me about color theory and which colors go together. How do you know if I got it or if I need to be course corrected? So, yeah. So the great thing about the platform is that it's very easy for people to upload pictures. And so the way I design the course is there's two components that were really important to me. And that one is a sense of community. So even if you take the Evergreen course, that is one person coming into it in their own time frame. All of the people that have taken the course before them, I have left them in the course. And so a new person coming in could post something. Other people can come in and comment and I can come in and comment. So not only it's kind of like crowdsourcing for your own image and style, because what we want to know is how are we showing up in the world? And I think that what happens is you kind of dress a certain way your whole life. Like you gravitate towards the same stores, you wear the same kinds of clothes, you wear the same colors. Whenever I go into someone's closet, I always see a lot of the same. And basically what we're trying to do here is change habits of you always look this way, you've always done it that way. And people get stuck where they think, oh, but I've always always had long hair and I look great in long hair and my husband likes me in long hair, therefore I should have long hair. And so to help that person see, well, I actually think you might look better in shoulder length hair. Can I show you what that would look like on you? And we give them examples of that. And then a bunch of other people come in and say, oh my God, you look amazing like that, right? It's not just me, the expert saying you should do this. And then we go back and forth because you've been doing it forever and you're not necessarily open to that feedback, but you get kind of this crowdsourcing of all these other people saying yes, no, or maybe to that. So it's pretty powerful. So it seems like on the surface, it might not be the easiest sell, I guess. What have been your lessons learned, I guess, in terms of marketing? this type of 
program that, you know, you're not, it's not the type of classic sort of online marketing where you're addressing a really specific like pain point or like this burning need that someone is searching for. It's, it's more aspirational, I guess. Well, so partially I disagree. So I know a lot of people think, oh, that's a nice to have. But the truth is that there's real data on how impactful our first impression is. So I do have success speaking at conferences and then converting people there, or I don't really do a lot of one-on-one networking anymore, but earlier in my career I did, and that was successful. But through a traditional online um, marketing campaign, through emails, through videos, through webinars, the pain point that anybody who walks into a room and doesn't feel comfortable in their own skin Anybody who's maybe changed careers, I would think a lot of people in Danny's world in Miracy who are starting off as entrepreneurs who maybe have done something in the past and want people to now see them in a different way, how you look, it's a big part of that. So there's some statistics that are interesting. One is that only 4% of all women worldwide believe they're beautiful. And so you can imagine if you're a woman and you don't feel comfortable in your own skin, putting yourself out there in any kind of business is difficult. And another interesting statistic is that our first impressions happen in less than seven seconds. And so we think it has a lot to do with the contents of our words and our marketing, but really a lot of people are judging us first based on how we look. And so this idea of personal branding has become really powerful. And creating a personal brand and only thinking about leveraging it through your LinkedIn profile or your elevator pitch, or the words on your website, you're leaving out actually the most powerful part of your communication, which is how you look. And so it's pretty easy to persuade people, both men and women, that this is something that they should invest in for their business. And I haven't really had a lot of trouble with it. Mm -hmm. Are you persuaded? (laughs) Well, I guess just wondering, is there anything applicable there for, again, other people looking to improve their own marketing? Did you any particular techniques you found were most effective in online marketing or approaches that worked for your course that are, you know, worth sharing? I think it is, as you said, you have to identify what the pain points are. So there might be a smaller market of people who are ready to invest in a personal brand and how they look, but they're definitely a big enough market out there for, for my business. And so I would say to anybody, no matter what you're doing, is to really hone in on who is your ideal client. And that's probably taken me, you know, throughout the course of my career, like really trying to understand who is the person who really wants what I have has been, you know, an evolution. And I think we've all got to figure that out and not try to be, you know, everything to everybody, but to really figure out who that person is. And then to speak in the language that they use to describe their problem. But it's a problem that people have that I can solve. Awesome. Thanks. That was great. I don't have any other questions. Cindy, that was really, really great. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. Abe, do you want to do the readout? Okay. Cindy Porter is the principal of Success Through Style and the author of Success Through Style, the book. You can learn more about her and her stylish program over at successthroughstyle.com. That's T-H-R-U. So success, T-H-R-U, style.com. Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and I will pull out the best takeaways for you to apply to your course.
Abe, where shall we begin? Well, this is a theme we've talked about a few different times, but just the importance and the opportunity of exploring moving topics and domains and courses that are traditionally approached as an in-person experiential type of learning and seeing where are the possibilities to move those online, even in areas where it might not seem that obvious or even possible that you could do it. So we've talked about that in a few different domains, but this area of style and fashion is a really interesting one because you think of it probably intuitively as something that you do in person of meeting with a stylist or going to a store to get um, fitted. But, you know, Cindy has shown that with some creativity in how you approach it, you can actually make that learning really impactful online. And so the takeaway for me there is not so much about the specifics of teaching a fashion course, unless someone listening happens to be working in that same area, but more that if you're teaching your coaching in an area like that, where you've kind of thought like, oh, I don't know how, you know, I could do what I do online. Uh, maybe Cindy's example, you know, kind of shows you what the possibilities are. Yeah, we've seen a lot of really interesting examples over the course of the show of how you can do the sort of education that people imagine is only hands-on and in-person, how you can provide really robust feedback channels. You know, in this case, Cindy has people uploading photos and the community is giving feedback and she's giving feedback. Uh, something that I really appreciated about Cindy's story and her journey with courses is that a lot of people have this idea that, you know, they've got to build this kind of be-all and end-all course, right? That they're working towards the, I just have to get it there and then I'll set it and forget it and I'll live happily ever after. And what we've seen from Cindy's story is that she's kind of gone through a lot of different courses, a lot of different modalities of delivery. She had her live pilot of her style program. She had her year-long cohorts for learning how to become a stylist on the business side. She's got her evergreen course, um, again, about the, the personal branding and style kind of stuff. And you can really mix and match and play with the different modalities to see what is going to fit your needs right now. And they're, they're not mutually exclusive, right? She can have her evergreen course and she can open a cohort of a live course that she's running if she's so inclined. And it gives a lot of flexibility, especially once you're further along and you've built a lot of the assets, you can kind of use a lot of the same foundation in different places and in different ways. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, there's been a lot of attention given to like cohort-based courses and live scheduled learning experiences. And obviously there's value to those, but I think this conversation also points to the fact that that's like not the right model for everyone. And you may be better off like pulling in elements of those learning experiences to create essentially an enhanced self-study, right? So having the core of the program be available in a self-study or on-demand format, but then enhancing it with community where people can encourage each other and share ideas, enhancing it with private feedback from the instructor or coach where you're getting meaningful um, feedback on what you're doing, enhancing it with you know occasional group or community calls where people can connect and, and share and, and learn from the facilitator live. So th there can be a balance between going all the way to have something completely um, self-paced and, and all the way to having something completely scheduled and cohort-based and intensive. Yeah. And then there was one, I mean, it was just a little takeaway comment, but I thought it was a great tip, the way she uses coaching calls, both to supplement the curriculum, obviously, but she uses them, she described them as carrots, right? You have to go through a certain amount of the course to unlock the coaching. 
And there's this beautiful interplay between I'm offering the support that'll help you move forward, but you've also got to do your part to earn that support. And it keeps people really advancing and progressing through the experience. Yeah, I think that's a more interesting form of motivation than, you know, the ideas of pure gamification that have been tossed around and that we've talked about some before, you know, where people aren't necessarily motivated by points or, you know, leaderboards or, or sort of constructed rewards in alerting context, but they might be very motivated to get that coaching or, or get help with their specific problem. And we've run similar tests in some of our programs. We actually used to back in the day, we would offer people unlimited support. You can get on a coaching call whenever you want. And we found that a lot of people were using it as kind of a procrastination vehicle, right? You know, I don't need to do the work. I'll just get on another call next week. And when we, when we changed it to still a generous amount of coaching, but it was now unlocked by taking action, all of a sudden people were just like, you know, zipping through the course, which is exactly what we wanted. Right? That's, that's what I got. Do you want to you wanna read us out? Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Abe Crystal, co-founder and CEO of Riziku, here with Danny Eaney, founder and CEO of Miracy. Course Lab is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Soul Savvy Business and Blowing Up. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Govertson assembled the episode. Danny Eaney is our executive producer, post-production by Post Office Sound. Another big thanks to Cindy Porter for coming onto the show today. And remember, you can learn more about her over at successthroughstyle.com, and that's through spelled T-H-R-U. And to make sure you don't miss the excellent episodes coming up on Course Lab, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you enjoy the show, please go ahead and leave us a starred review. It really does make a difference. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Still a little congested, so if I get stuck, I'll No worries, I'll no worries. I'm sure Cynthia and her team will be able to edit out all the sniffling. <laughs> okay, good. All right, are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind-the-scenes kind of thing. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head-on. I'm Melinda Cohen, and your host for this show. I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great framing. That's a, that's a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is, ooh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah, because we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. And I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness. 
my desire for the show is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness, fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively. And we want to rise to that level. That being said, you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. <laughs> Why are you stopping the recording? <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.